the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we can Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome back to We Get Real AF, everyone. I'm Vanessa Alava. And I'm Sue Robinson. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the show. Welcome to another great conversation with a rock star woman technologist. Today, we're talking augmented reality, space exploration, Li-Fi, a cool technology that uses light signals to transmit data, and we're talking about how tech can help promote literacy. Vanessa and I are honored to be joined today by the amazing Shelly Peterson, Principal Investigator for Augmented Reality at Lockheed Martin. Shelly, welcome to We Get Real AF. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's great You're to be so, here. So excited to have you today. Um, before we get started on any specific topic, give us a little bit about your background and how you got into augmented reality and how you came to Lockheed Martin. Oh, we go way back in time. <laughs> uh, back in the day, around 2001 to 2003, I'd started a small company and we worked with an early stage kind of version of augmented reality, a monocular for special ops. Wasn't exactly like augmented reality, but kind of similar. And then after I joined Lockheed in 2003, I worked at other projects until about 2011 and got pulled back into augmented reality. Uh, at that time, I lived in Silicon Valley. Fantastic location to work this type of technology. There were so many uh, companies surfacing at that time and so much energy around this type of technology. Um, to see it grow and mature over that time frame was just uh, fascinating. But that's led to working augmented reality for Lockheed Martin Space as the principal investigator for augmented and mixed reality. What are some examples of how augmented reality and mixed reality are being used for space exploration? I know that Lockheed Martin is working on the Orion um, space expedition. Is, is that part of where this AR is, is being used? Yes, absolutely. So when we think of the spacecraft and the life cycle of the spacecraft, we start back at the, the very early stages of the design and the concept of the spacecraft. And then we look at the way that it's manufactured, whether it's tested, the operations of the spacecraft, even in space. Augmented and mixed reality help a person to interpret or remove the need for interpretation of what we think of as the rectangular data sources. You know, the paper and the screens, um, what we would normally have to pick up from those sources, we can interpret so much more quickly and easily when the content is overlaid in the actual environment on the structure. So it really helps speed up the manufacturing process, and it also helps mitigate errors uh, so we can move more quickly and more uh, efficiently. I would love to hear, and I'm sure our audience would too, some of the challenges that you've encountered with having to uh, adopt the technology <laughs> within your team. Sure. In the early stages, you know, we have security requirements that are pretty strict for our environments. So you take this device that has cameras and depth sensors and microphones and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, um, those five alone are significant challenges for our environments. So we do some pretty creative things to be able to enable the technology for the environment. Um, normally, we would stream data through Wi-Fi, but that's a challenge for some environments. So we look at creative solutions like modulated light. 
Uh, can we stream data over light? How quickly can we stream data over light? Uh, is it as effective as uh, translating the data through Wi-Fi? There's plenty of challenges just looking at the the mission of the spacecraft and how we can operate in these extreme environments. And we take the same approach with this type of technology. Can you tell us a little bit about Orion and what the mission for that spacecraft will be and what um, some, some of the conditions are that you have to anticipate for its deployment out into space? So Orion is designed for deep space. Artemis is a version of Orion that will go to the moon. It's designed to orbit the moon autonomously for months while the crew is on the surface of the moon setting up camp. It can do this autonomously until they make it back to the spacecraft to return to Earth. Um, it's also designed for deeper space missions, like going to Mars. Some really exciting technology there. Um, and there's some fun facts about Orion. You know, the, the heat shield on re-entry back into the Earth's atmosphere reaches over 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's over half the temperature of the surface of the sun, while the inside stays 72 degrees and it's going almost uh, 25,000 miles per hour, which is just fascinating. <laughs> I, I can't imagine being the astronaut on the surface of the moon and watching my, my <laughs> ship back home go back out into space and just trusting that it's going to come pick me up later on. It must be quite the experience for those astronauts. Um, tell us a little bit more, uh, too, about LIFI. Is that a technology that you see um, being sort of democratized down in the same way that Wi-Fi is, that everybody will someday be using that? And is it more efficient? Uh, how does that work? I think they will eventually, kind of like we use uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, depending on the situation, and we can uh, transfer back and forth between Wi-Fi and cell service. I can see Wi-Fi being another solution in that mix of options. It can be much faster than Wi-Fi. In test environments, they've hit 288 gigabits per second, which if you think of downloading 15 HD movies per second, that's how fast that is. Wow. It's very special, customized environments that gives an indication of what we can do through light so much faster than anything else out there. For secure environments, you know, Wi-Fi bleeds through the walls, which would do quite a bit to prevent that from happening. Light is contained by the walls. Um, so it's much more secure in that sense. It's funny that you say that it's more secure than Wi-Fi because I'm thinking light, I mean, light is all around us. So how does that even work? If you think uh, of a cone of data, um, about a 66 degree angle. And if you're within that cone, you're picking up the signal. If you step outside of that cone, you don't have access to the signal. You also have to have direct line of sight to the lights. So it won't reflect off surfaces. And there's other areas where it might be beneficial if we think of cars speaking to each other through light. If your car knows when the car in front of you is braking mm. or accelerating or um, being able to maintain situational awareness more effectively or having signals from the lights as they turn from green to red, your car understanding what's going on there, you can have much better situational awareness and have a safer environment. Another interesting thing with Wi-Fi, there was a TED talk by Harold Haas in 2015 where he talked about using solar panels. He was using solar panels as receivers. So imagine you go into a city and say, you know, we can get you faster a wireless connectivity, but you have to put three solar panels on your house. You can stream the data to your house from the street lights. But there's a win-win there where you're helping the environment, you're giving people faster connectivity. It's a pretty interesting solution that can be provided across the board. Definitely. Is it being used in other industries besides Lockheed Martin and space exploration? And you know, is it being what other industries are using Li-Fi and at what level of deployment is it? 
time travel. (laughs) 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 We've seen situations where they've piloted it at bus stops. You know, um, there's uh, some talk about using it on airplanes where you can stream data at your seat from the light above your seat on the airplane. Um, In medical environments where you need to make sure that uh, the medical staff is receiving the data for the person in that room and that it doesn't get compromised. You know, they will come in and scan lots of codes to make sure that they have the right data. This might be another part of the solution to make sure that that's secure and correct. When do you foresee or are there plans to roll this out in a more public way? Do we foresee this in the next five years where we're going to start hearing Wi-Fi more? It's going to be more of a household term and Wi-Fi is going to be phased out or is it going to be used in conjunction with Wi-Fi potentially? I personally think it'll be in conjunction because like if you take your your phone, if it has Wi-Fi enabled and you stick it in a pocket, it's not going to receive that signal because it doesn't have mm-hmm. line of sight to the lights. So I think it's a combination of the solutions most likely where it chooses to use the best solution for the situation that it's in. Um, also, outdoors, it would be a, a challenge to use it effectively, but indoors, it could be fantastic. We also see quite the momentum building for augmented reality and virtual reality. And for virtual reality to be wireless, you need to be able to stream significant amounts of data. With Li-Fi, you can stream much more data much more quickly. So it mm-hmm. may be uh, enabling other technologies. That makes a lot of sense because especially with interactive, immersive technology, interactive VR, um, those there's so much there could be latency right a lot of times because there's so much data processing and um if if wi-fi is however many thousands of times faster <laughs> that you mentioned earlier uh then then wi-fi that's um it makes sense that that could be really key to technologies like virtual reality. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking even like um, well, the more interactive ones, you, you know, mm-hmm. require sometimes tethering, and I wonder if it could potentially alleviate the having to be tethered to a PC. Right. You can stream much more data much more quickly, which frees you up to be much more mobile. Also on our list, we wanted to talk about your work in, in literacy. And and you are with the Barbara Bush Foundation trying to look at ways that technology can be used to help with adult literacy and family literacy. Are there areas of technology that, um, that you're particularly excited about helping in the sphere of literacy? There are. So if we look at the way that we test for literacy, it's very similar to what we've done in the past decade, many decades. You you read a paragraph, you answer questions, you answer multiple choice questions. Uh, We're trying to gauge comprehension from those methods that we've used for many, many, many years. Um, Within the wearable devices, um, they now have fantastic eye tracking capability. If we can track the way your eyes move, Can we track the way that you read? And can we track the barriers or the challenges in people at a much younger age? Can we use eye tracking to detect things like dyslexia at a younger age um, or ADHD? Can we determine uh, elements of focus? And then as we use methods to improve literacy, can we use eye tracking to quantify those improvements better? Um, Right now, we don't have a really good way to to measure improvements. And I think that one of the ways that we can get better at solving the challenge is by measuring the improvements as we make them. So this is another example of sort of technology as a double-edged sword, I guess, because on the one hand, wearables that track vision and reading can help us diagnose and guide 
people who maybe do have a learning difference. On the other hand, it kind of goes to the whole biometric measurement and labeling of people potentially, right? I mean, what are your thoughts about how we navigate that? We need to be cautious. We need to use technology in the the right ways. Um, It's something that we see across the board with AR and VR and with the technologies that support AR and VR. Um, There's groups out there now who look at ways to use AR and VR for good. There are areas where it can be a little bit concerning. If we can combine an EEG sensor detecting brain activity with eye tracking and technologies to start to gauge, not necessarily what you're thinking, but the levels you're thinking, you know, if you're about to take an action, are you certain of that action? Are you somewhat certain? Are you not certain? That can be very powerful when we're training people and we're trying to gauge their level of comprehension. It can also be used in ways that are concerning. So we need to be cautious with how we employ those technologies. We always go back to like the ethics of technology and uh, AI sure. um, because obviously testing people for brain differences when you want a diverse and inclusive group of people making these types of decisions and informing the technology that we use on a daily basis. But you, if you have the wrong person assessing these situations and saying, oh, because this person has X, Y, and Z, we don't want them to be part of this group or, you know, we're not going to hire that person, et cetera. So they don't have the same opportunities and definitely contradicts the spirit of diversity and inclusion. Right. We've seen how powerful diversity can be. When you have people approaching problems from different angles, it's fantastic for solving solutions for spacecraft. And in the environments where we work, we definitely value diverse thinking. Things like how do you clean up space junk? There's a lot of things out in space. What do you do about it? I've been in environments where people are thinking about different solutions. And it's really interesting to see the different angles that they come forward with. Even with AR, when we try to figure out what AR is going to look like in three years and five years and 15 or 30 years, we've had these workshops where we look at those timeframes and try to figure out what the Jarvis, <laughs> the Iron Man Jarvis turns into in those timeframes. It, it's really interesting to see how different people approach the solutions and how creative they can become with what we can do with the technology and integrating technologies. What is your personal prognosis for like, where do you think AR will be in three years or five years? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we first started using mobile phones, it was just that it was a mobile phone. And then we found ways to text and we could communicate in different ways. Um, and then we started tying in technologies like GPS and the capabilities that are opened up through GPS, giving us location data are huge. We wouldn't have thought of using mobile phones in that way in the early stages. I think AR is going to be similar, that there are so many capabilities that are opened up that we haven't thought of yet. When we have a device that we're wearing on our head that can see what we see, that understands the environment and under uses depth sensors and technology to understand. It's almost like indoor GPS. You can tell much more about your environment and map your environment. That's going to lead to some new capabilities that we have not yet envisioned. Hey everybody, Sam McLean here from InPhase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening.
Can you walk us through a, a day in the life at Lockheed? You know, what you do on a daily basis to inform conversations about AR, resistance that you might get from colleagues using the technology, or maybe that's something in the past that you encountered before. I'm sure, again, it's a corporate environment and there were probably the naysayers at first. So oh, yes. we'd, love to hear, we'd love to hear about a day in the life and then how you can kind of overcame some of those challenges. We have the groups, you know, five years ago who would see the technology and they thought of it as the gimmicky thing, the the technology that's kind of fun to explore, but probably wouldn't ever make it out onto the shop floor or into the environments. There were no shortage of skeptics at that time. And then in 2017, we were out on the shop floor uh, using the technology on the Orion spacecraft, and we could use AR to know where to place those things very quickly. So what would normally take two to three technicians, two to three shifts, we can complete with one technician in two and a half hours. So what well, what did these spacecrafts encounter? I mean, having never been to space myself, <laughs> well, I'm just wondering what you have to think about that that spacecraft is going to encounter in its, mm-hmm. its life in outer space. There are many, many uh, situations. Uh, the vibrations through launch that they encounter, a fun test, it's called acoustic tests. They line up stacks of speakers around the spacecraft, surround it. It's like a massive concert. They blast it with sound that simulates uh, launch and causes it to vibrate in that same manner during launch. And then for the astronauts who are in deep space in this very small environment for an extended period of time, if you see what it looks like from the spacecraft and how far away the blue marble is and how tiny it looks, um, it's a bit shocking. And so you need good ways to give them a break from that environment mentally. We think that AR and VR could help in that environment as well. That's interesting. How how can you use it for that mental health application? So when they're exercising and we think of how we would want to use VR in our homes for exercise, you know, envisioning that you're running a trail when it's actually snowing outside or, um, you know, climbing a mountain or playing a game with friends or family, they could do the same thing from the spacecraft. They don't realize they're in a small environment they have on the device and it appears much larger. And I, and I love talking about tech for good, but also I love talking about the potential challenges and how to overcome them. I could almost see that being a double-edged sword, depending on how long they've been up there. And psychologically, you know, being in an environment in VR and being so immersed in it because it can feel so real and then taking it off and being like, oh, I'm still here out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I can see that messing with somebody's head, actually. Yeah. It really could. Yeah, it has to be treated as a, a break from the current and then back to real life, yeah. I suppose. What is it like being a woman in your field? I mean, are there a lot of women doing what you're doing <laughs> or are you kind of a trailblazer? And if so, what was it like to blaze that trail? Um, you know, back in the early stages, there weren't a lot of people doing what we do. Mm-hmm. So um, the AR community is absolutely fantastic. They're great to collaborate with and just solving some of the most unique challenges. Growing up, I often found myself working in environments where I was the only female in the group. That hasn't really been the case at Lockheed. And there's a lot of, of STEM and STEAM events and we have I think 2,000 students that show up for Young Minds at Work Day uh, once a year in April. And that's that's just at the Waterton site. You know, it, it's a lot of fun. And all the different groups at Lockheed Space find activities to hold with the kids. And so much fun. When you were a little kid, did you know you wanted to go into this career path? 
<laughs> um, I wanted to be an English teacher. My entire family were English teachers. And uh, my mother, my grandmother, my mother taught my high school English. My aunt taught my junior high English. My grandmother taught their English. My uncle taught English. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but then in high school, I kind of leaned more toward math and wanted to work with aircraft of some sort. You know, I grew up in a small town, less than a thousand people out in the middle of nowhere. But the judge was also the barber, small. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, a true, true story. And wow. um, we didn't have a physics teacher there, but they set up a situation where we could take physics remotely, which was very unique at that time. We had a big computer system in the room that was the size of a refrigerator that we could connect to a teacher in San Antonio. And she asked us to look at what future technologies would look like. And I still have the paper. One of the things I drew up was simulator. It was basically virtual reality where you feel like you're in another environment and it feels like you're in another environment. You have the sense and the you know different sensory experiences where it feels like you're in another environment, um, which now we think of as VR. And then we also drew up, well, what if you could take that environment and practice your tennis swing? Or what if you could use it to ramp up on a skill, which is basically AR or VR for training? What do you foresee within aerospace and engineering jobs of the future? I mean, we talked about, you know, potential like space litter, if you will. So is there going to be someone in charge of space litter and trying to recycle that and use that for energy or, you know, repurposing? Definitely. I think so. I think it's a challenge that needs to be solved. I think that in the past, we didn't see many professions for AR, but now we do. We see many colleges, universities who are adding that to their curriculum. We're seeing students graduate with augmented reality type skill sets. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. I think that the integration of technologies with augmented reality uh, will be growing rapidly based on what we're seeing from the benefits of the technology. What do you think we will learn from the space programs that Lockheed Martin is involved in? What do you think that's going to teach us? What are, what are we looking for out there? And what do you think and hope we'll learn from our explorations in space? I think we learn much more about ourselves when we learn much more about our space environments. There's so many additional things that we create. Medical technologies, that will surface. You know, we all hear about Velcro and some other technologies that surface that we use on a daily basis. Also with remote collaboration, kind of with the situation we're in right now in our, our unique environments, um, remote collaboration is becoming more and more and more and more important. Uh, we're seeing a pressing need for having fantastic ways to communicate remotely. You know, when we think of all of these technologies that are being integrated, we're in the very early stages of it. I think of it as back to that mobile technology. When we first take a phone, we go, okay, I don't, I don't need a wire connected to the wall. I can take it with me wherever I go. With augmented reality and mixed reality, I think that's the state that we're, we're in right now. And it's going to change and evolve rapidly with some pretty interesting features that, that surface from it. Goodness, I don't think it's just VR and AR. I think it's, you know, all of the technologies, and if we think back to it, what was the main connector? I mean, before, you know, Internet of Things and Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi and all these things, I mean, it was the phone. I mean, right. it was making a simple phone call. And the fact that with our phones now, with you said like GPS, texting, all you know, the Internet on our phone, like there's so many things that we can do. Um, and the sky's the limit from there, you know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun. We're always looking for better ways to access information, more mm -hmm. rapid access to information and access to people. Exactly. I think it will just continue to enhance that. 
Absolutely. Agreed. Mm. Well, we're going to then move on to our lightning round. These are some questions that we ask all of our wonderful guests. So Shelly, first lightning round question for you. Finish this sentence. Women are? Inspiring. (laughs) What are three pieces of advice you'd give your younger self? Oh my goodness. This one is more of a challenge. Don't be afraid to dream big and then pursue it. Sometimes we dream big, um, but then we don't pursue it. Also explore the areas that may not be an interest at the time. When I look back, I see different areas that I had pursued in different parts of my career tying together. And some were of great interest, some were eh, mediocre, but it was what I was asked to do at the time. I see how those benefit now. I mean, even playing in a band, played in a rock band for two years. That ties into what we do now. Even the way that we animate AR is very similar to music software in the way that we shape the soundtrack for each instrument. So there's correlation that comes back and surfaces in unique ways. Um, It's really kind of interesting. Another thing that I would advise a younger self, there were times in my earlier part of earlier career where I was tasked to perform, you know, given a task that I thought was more of a mundane task and I did it. But, um, you know, in one job, I was asked to create the charts for the group and other people were given some of the more technical tasks. I was kind of disappointed with that tasking initially. Then I realized I was sitting with the leaders in their meetings, creating the charts for them. And I had insight to the path and the direction and the roadmap that we were going. I had much better knowledge of what was going on because I had exposure to those meetings. Um, It was really kind of a silver lining in that role which led to some other opportunities that were really pretty interesting along the way. So there's times where, you know, it may not seem like the most enthralling assignment, but it may turn into something that's really unique. I love that. And I think that's such great advice for young, young people, because I think a lot of times kids are told, follow your passion, follow your dream. If it doesn't light your fire, then it's not something you should take seriously. And not every moment of every job is going to light your fire and be a passion for you, but it might just hold something really valuable that you'll keep in your hip pocket until many years down the road. You're learning in, in areas that you just don't know where the benefits will pay off later on. Sometimes it's, you know, a passion and assignment from the start. And sometimes it's broccoli before cheesecake. That's what I tell there my you go. <laughs> I love that. I like it. That's I a like great it a visual. Yes. <laughs> okay, Shelly, uh, what is your current favorite application of tech for good? Oh, with the Barbara Bush Foundation and the eye tracking, I have to say that that's one where I can see a lot of potential and it hasn't evolved yet. I think there's a great potential for it to do some interesting things in the very near term. What issue do you most hope technology will help resolve in the future? I see the potential for technology for uh, people with disabilities, and I think that there's great potential. I also see that when we use this type of technology, augmented and mixed and virtual reality, seeing is believing. So if we can help shape an understanding of concepts that typically aren't taught in schools, um, help with being more sympathetic, empathetic. I think that that technology has a great potential there. What inspires you? Women. <laughs> women are inspiring. Like <laughs> my mother, my grandmother, the, the women in my life, uh, the ladies that I work with are incredibly inspiring. And I look at what they accomplish and it's just amazing. I don't know how there's enough time in the day to do what they do, but they do it. And um, I think it's 
definitely inspiring to see. Agree. Fill in the blank. Blank like a girl. So the first thing that comes to mind, I have the sweater that says fish like a girl. (laughs) 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 That wouldn't be my answer. But um, you're fishing for new technology and new information. (laughs) (laughs) It's a metaphor. There's so many different inspiring talents. It's hard to pick one to fill in the blank. Blank like a girl. Um, How about everything? Hashtag everything like a girl. (laughs) Do it all like a girl. (laughs) She's a star symbol from coding. uh, (laughs) Well, Shelly, this isn't great. We appreciate your time today. Before we let you go, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Are you on any of, of the social channels where people can find out what you're doing? I'm on LinkedIn. I can be reached at Shelly.Peterson at LMCO.com. I'm always happy to discuss the technology and any possible ways we can collaborate. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. And we want to give a special thanks to Florence Lumsden, our associate producer for the We Get Real AF podcast. You can find Flo on LinkedIn at Florence Lumsden, L-U-M-S-D-E-N, or at her website, danceandflowproductions.com. That's D-A-N-C-I-N-F-L-O Productions. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.